You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. You don't pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger. And you don't mess around with M. You don't mess around with Maggie. No, you don't. It, 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 it seems she was invincible. And that's what made the news last week especially shocking. She was just back from another trip. She imagined that she might be driving out to Boulder this summer. Maggie seemed destined to go on and on and on and on. There was no mountain that she wouldn't climb, no valley she wouldn't forge, no task too dirty, too clean, too big, or too small, no task above her, no task beneath her. The reality with Maggie is if you even hinted that you didn't want to bother her with something or that possibly she wasn't up to something, well, that was akin to simply throwing down the gauntlet and saying, I dare you and dare Maggie to do something and you needed to get out of the way. Now, you might think that the, the long list of advocacy accomplishments is the thing that would make her memorable. Her days with Noah locally were preceded by work for prison reform, work for the registration of African-American voters in 1970, Birmingham, Alabama. She took an almost sinister delight in goading Governor Wallace with her work in those days. You might think the long list of national parks she visited would make her memorable. You might imagine that her photographic memorial of plants, most recently the Jack in the Pulpit, Flowers and many living things would have equipped her to sing best, all things bright and beautiful, with every alto. You might look to the testimony of her family, children, in-laws, grandchildren, and one great-granddaughter, Charlotte, to celebrate her legacy and know that her life was well-lived. But you would have only scratched the surface. Maggie was born into the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. That was news to me. I wonder if it's news to you. She was born into a family, the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, but she was predestined to become an Episcopalian. <laughs> Mind you, not a Unitarian. For all of the left-of-center social advocacy that she kept in her portfolio, she could not bring herself to leave the Trinitarian liturgy of the Episcopal Church. She was a prayer book Christian with a love of the, of the liturgy that gave her the guardrails against which to push and with which to play. She took delight in this space. I wonder if you know this, if she ever said this to you, in part because of the women in the windows. No church in town has as many women in the windows. No Jesus at the resurrection, the women at the tomb. Mary, we just read about her, at, at, the, at the tomb, empty tomb, mistaking Jesus to be the help here in the baptistry. Jesus and the Samaritan woman, <clears throat> St. Dorcas or Tabitha, Eunice, the wife of the noble character, the parable of the ten virgins, mother and child, the mother with three children. Mary in constant prayer 
all the way back in the corner there. She took great delight in these windows, the majority of which included images that she, that she found inspiring. But she was just as eager, did you find this, to pray the Our Father and to stand on the shoulders of those women and men who had gone before her. Part of what kept her going faith-wise <clears throat> was the desire to imitate the life of Christ. And first and foremost for Maggie, this took the form of truth-telling, commodity that's in short supply these days. Now, there could be times when, if you were on the receiving end of her truth-telling, that you might have imagined you weren't going to get out of the room alive. The truth, she told, was unvarnished. It would grab you by the ears and slam you against the wall. A kind of Jesus clearing the temple of money changers truth-telling. It could scare you. But you'd never catch Maggie admiring the emperor's clothes when she knew just as well as everyone else that he was naked. In these latter years of her life, her presence and spirit radiated through the congregation, volunteering as a Eucharistic minister, helping with Noah, EFM, centering prayer, visiting the prison at Riverbend, gathering together with smaller groups to read, pray, walk, and listen. The testimony of those who walked with her, of those who prayed with her, read with her, studied with her, of those who received the sacraments from her hands, of those who were visited by her in prison, they all suggest that her aspiration to imitate the life of Christ by acts of compassion, determined truth-telling, the pursuit of joy and wonder in all creation, that it did not often miss the mark. Prison visitation ministry at Christ Church, it pairs a visitor with an inmate in the hope that a steady and regular rhythm of visitation will develop between the two. Maggie visited Donald. Her visits on Saturday to see him were as regular as her Sunday participation in the liturgy at Christ Church. And upon receiving news of Maggie's death, Donald has sent a message of memorial to the family, shared just a sentence or two from that memorial. He's written, God gave us Maggie as a good friend and as a voice for those who had none. She spent the last five years coming to death row and becoming part of the visiting and visitor family here in Unit 2. She was loved by everyone who knew her, and she has left some very big shoes to fill. He closed his note indicating they would miss her, but never forget her. Maggie's advocacy for the powerless, her compassion for those who suffer, was in part born of empathy. Her childhood, though forever part of who she was, was not to be wished on anyone. And her suffering hadn't been the kind that built character, rather it was the kind that had the power to destroy, kill, and obliterate. And when, when darkness is in fact dark, it's the light of the resurrection. It's all you have to hold on to. And her advocacy for the powerless and her compassion for those who suffer, it was decidedly rooted in this light 
the light of the resurrection and the belief that the unfolding kingdom of God would be characterized by a world where the blind would see, the lame would walk, the captive would be freed, and the banquet held on top of the mountain with a farm-to-table spread would be open to any and all. Her progressive posture in the world was informed by this unfolding kingdom of God, where Jesus was at the heart of it all. A paradox by contemporary standards, but the plain meaning of the cross and empty tomb. I wonder, can you see this? The Almighty certainly needed to sort through the angels for those with extraordinary street cred if Maggie's escort and defender was going to match her homecoming. God, I wish you had just taken a little more time in your sorting. Just a little more time. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. You don't pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger and you don't mess around with them. 